Thank you for joining me at the Ghost Light. My name is Matt Morris, and I want to get to the bottom of what inspires the average theater professional. There are a lot of people to talk to, so let's get to work. Thanks for joining me on the fourth episode of The Ghost Light, the podcast where I attempt to get to the bottom of what inspires the average theater professional. Episode four revolves around my conversation with a good friend from college and here in the city, Allison Whitehurst. She tells me about how her parents were instrumental in her start in the theater, what life in the city is like, and about Wicked the Musical. We also briefly touch on her current show, Born for This. I hope you're as interested as I was. In silhouettes in the moonlight, how could I forget what it felt like when I was enamored by the blue in your eyes? Hi, hello, Allison. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you for asking. so um how i've kind of been starting these is just telling the people what i know about you and then letting you kind of fill in the blanks from start to finish does that sound good okay sounds good great so this is what i know about Allie whitehurst Allie is from uh sugarland texas Mm -hmm. uh she went to tc with me she was a musical theater major Mm-hmm. Refram. Refram Bazoo. Uh, she, people are not going to know what that means, but that's okay. That's okay. It's not witchcraft, I promise. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> she landed a great role in a show called Fortress of Solitude uh, that brought her out to the Big Apple, mm-hmm. where she currently resides. But she's also on the West Coast right now because she's in a show called Born for This, mm-hmm. the BBCC Wine and Story. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's married to one of my best friends, Gabriel Whitehurst. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's really all I know about Allison. I mean, I know a lot more, but I want to fill in all the blanks. So go ahead right. and start from the beginning and just kind of to where you're at now. Okay. Well, um, like you said, grew up in Sugarland, Texas. Um, my father was is a piano player, so grew up with a lot of music in my home. Um, played in a band for years and years. And so I just grew up around a lot of live music, loved music, loved to sing. Um, it wasn't until my seventh grade year that um, my middle school was doing Fiddler on the Roof Junior. And my choir teacher said, hey, you know, you should audition for this. And I went, well, do I get to sing in it? And she said, oh, yes, absolutely. And I was like, okay, I'm in. So that was sort of the first time that I understood, oh, there's storytelling um, that can go along with uh, singing music that always made me feel good to do. So that was sort of my first splash into the theater and then um, did it in middle school and high school and um, yeah, loved the theater, loved choir, um, went to school for it and um, yeah, it's just been, it's been up and down of of pursuing this career and working regionally in Texas and booking the Fortress of Solitude in Dallas, which 
springboarded me into New York, which I didn't didn't think was going to happen. But <laughs> I'm so so thankful, so thankful that it did. Yeah, you performed at the public. I did. I performed at the public theater. I um, I was contracted to. So in the Fortress of Solitude, I played a character called Skater Girl. Um, she did, she didn't have a name. Um, at least the script did not give her a name. She was she was referred to as the only white girl on the block because this took place in Gowanus, Brooklyn. So I spent um, the first act of the show on roller skates, and then for a while played um, the girlfriend named Liza of um, Adam Chandler Barat, who was one of the leads in the show. And um, yeah, I thought my contract would be up after that because you know my my part was relatively small. But when it closed, I get this phone call from a New York area code. And then they're like, oh, hello, this is Jordan from the Public Theater in New York. How are you? And of course, all the while, I'm I'm preparing for my wedding because I was about to get married like less than a month from when I got that phone call. He said, hey, you know, we're going to put the Fortress of Solitude up at the Public Theater in New York. Are you interested? Do you want to come and be a part of this? And I was like, uh, what? (laughs) Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, let me talk to my fiance about this because Jordan said, you know, unfortunately we can't offer you housing. So you would have to sort of figure that out. And, you know, now after living in New York, I understand that you can do things like sublets and find places where you can live for three months at a time. But I was so green and didn't understand the New York life at the time that I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. This is, this is our shot. We have to move to New York. And so I, I called Gabe and I explained it all to him. And I was like, what do you think? And he said, well, I mean, it's not like we can pass this up. I guess we're moving to New York. Yeah. So you just up and yeah. went. Yes. <laughs> you you uh, briefly touched on this. I actually didn't know your dad played piano. So that's very interesting to me. Um, I, one of my typical questions is, do you come from a theatrical background? Um did your mom do any sort of theater or did your dad want you to do theater or was that just some that kind of organically happened? Cause I know you said you saw the musical, but I don't know if there was mm-hmm. any influence from them to do that. The uh, hmm, not theater itself in my family. Um, I have an uncle who's an actor. Um, so it's, it's, it's in our family for sure. I also have a second cousin that's an actor. Um, but as far as immediate family, the majority of my immediate family were singers um, and dancers. My grandmother is an extremely gifted singer. My grandfather is a gifted singer. My dad plays the keys and also sings well. My mom has a lovely voice, but danced exceptionally well. So I think for me, when I was coming up, a lot of stuff was focused on my voice. Um, but one thing I do remember, um, with my dad, when I was pretty young, I remember he introduced me to Cabaret, uh, the film and really isolated Liza Minnelli for me. And just what made her so captivating in the way she sang was her ability to tell a story and to um, be about the text, Um, which I learned more and more about, of course, when I went to college. But um, they were just supportive of me performing. Um, but, But a lot of it was music initially. And then when I started in middle school, getting into theater, I, I, I had 100% support from my family. I mean, my dad did theater in high school, but they weren't like, oh, we are theater in our bones. This is what you're born to do. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of country music growing up. <laughs> yeah. You do love country music. I know that. I do. I do. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'm not making any judgments at all. Oh, uh, yeah. I 
hear the judgment. No, no, no. Uh, so you also kind of uh, briefly touched on this, but it, so most most musical theater girls can like break down, uh, you know, what their skill set is in order. So would you consider yourself would you consider yourself singer, actor, dancer, or, or would you want them all to be equal? How do you, how do you break that down? I would say I am an actor, singer, dancer. That's that's where I lead from. How other people perceive me, I I don't know for sure. Um, I know that that my voice is strong, but when I when I approach something, I try to think of it as an actress before I think of it as a singer. So I guess if I were to rate myself, that's what I would say. Yeah, I think uh, it, at least from what I saw from you in college and what I've heard with my ears, you have this amazing, powerful voice. Um, when, when did you realize that you had that voice? Uh, you know, obviously you went through specific training to like mold that voice, but you know, when did you first start to realize it? And when did you start to say, wow, this is kind of something that I can do very well? <laughs> well, um, there was a lot of singing in my house just because my dad played keys. So I just, I mean, I don't, I just feel like I grew up at the piano with him singing Christmas carols. Cause you know, you do that as a little kid, sing this song and now the ABCs and twinkle, twinkle <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. And I remember I was always well received when that happened, but this sounds kind of silly, but I remember there was one night, um, I was out in the hot tub <laughs> with my dad. I was very small and we were just out there like singing and he would always sing a song. A lot of times it was Beatles or beach boys and he would pick a melody and he would tell me to try to find the harmony. And, you know, inevitably I would, I would start singing along. He'd be like, no, 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 that's melody. That's what I'm singing. Find a different part. I remember starting to toy around with that and him being like, okay, good job, good job. But I remember he asked me, he said, so can you add vibrato to your voice? And I said, oh, yes, I can. Oh, yes. And he goes, he goes, no, you can't. And I said, yes, I can. He goes, show me. And I went, ah. And he was like, oh, you can. And I went, <laughs> yes, I can. And so, I mean, I was really small, but. Yeah, you'll, you'll never be told no. That's still part of your personality, right? You're, you're determined. Yes. I, I, yeah, I try to be, try to be. Yeah. So, so kind of in tandem with that and, um, and you know, Sophie and I came up here kind of quickly as well. We had a similar experience where Sophie got an agent. So we decided, Hey, we're going to go there. And it was kind of like a bang, bang thing. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who maybe is in a similar situation right now and is listening to this? Like they, they got an agent or they got a show that's going to New York. They don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Um, they're scared. What, what would you tell them? I would tell them to just come, just come and that they don't have to have everything figured out when they get here, that the learning starts when you step into the ring and the New York, and New York is a completely different boxing match. It's, it's just different. And so you can prepare, you can, um, read about it. You can do your homework. You can have your audition book. You can do all that stuff. But when you set foot in New York city, give yourself so much grace because you just, it's like buying an apartment from a long way off. There's some things you're going to know, but you're not going to know the full gambit of it until you set foot in the place. And you're like, Oh, okay. This is what I like. This is what I don't. And also to know that if you take the plunge and you end up not liking it, that's okay. It doesn't mean you failed. It's just if you decide you'd be happy you're doing something else, 
you can come to New York for a stint and then go elsewhere. It's not like your life is therefore set in stone, but there is time for you to figure things out, make mistakes, and the mistakes that you are sure to make <laughs> when you first move to, to New York are not going to break your career. That it's, it's, you go one step at a time. Would you say that's an essential skill for someone in theater to have is to just be adaptable and not plan everything out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that there is, you, you have to be prepared with your material in the room, but I think there has to be, at least for me and my journey, it's the reminder that I don't have to be perfect every single time, every single day, that I'm not a machine and, um, to just give myself permission that if it doesn't go 100% according to plan, that it doesn't mean it's over. Um, there are no strikes against me that it's, okay, here's what went wrong that time. That's over. What's ahead? Yeah. Would you say it's more essential just to get in front of people than to like, you know, perfectly nail it every single time? I feel like I would say like those are two black and white statements and I feel like I fall more in the gray in saying that you should be seen when you are really, really ready to be seen. However, if your mark is like 150% and you fall at like, oh, that was about a 90%, that's okay. You should have still been seen. But if you're like, rushing because you're afraid if you're not going to be seen and blah, 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 blah. I have to be seen a certain amount of times in a week, but you walk in and it's either something you're not right for, or you didn't get enough prep time for, it's better to stay home than to force yourself to be seen. So um, when I asked you or commanded you, I guess, to uh, think of a show that was inspirational to you, you suggested Wicked. Why did Wicked come to mind when I said inspirational? Okay. Well, Wicked came to mind because <clears throat> the first time I came to New York was for my 14th birthday. Um, my birthday is December 27th, two days after Christmas. So that Christmas, uh, I was over at my dad's and I opened up my Christmas gift and inside were two tickets to Wicked. And I thought to myself, wait, but Wicked's in New York, daddy. And he was like, he was like, yeah, we're, we're leaving on a plane tomorrow morning. And I was like, what? And so, you know, I had seen theater prior to that, but Wicked, seeing those tickets, my first time flying to New York City, being in the city at 14 years old and sitting and watching that show, I will never forget the way I felt at the end of act one when Elphaba ascended into the sky and sang her face off. I was just like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe how I feel right now. And of course, at the time, I didn't understand all of the technical stuff that went into that or lights and direction and production and how these people, all I saw was a witch who was misunderstood, who was coming up against adversity and was going to triumph at the end. And I was like, this speaks to me so much. I'll never forget that. And I was just like, man, I want to be a part of something that's this powerful. So there's uh, at, at least one I was very conscious of the show. I, don't, I mean, I like the music, but it's not something that I visit regularly. Um, there's mm -hmm. kind of a stereotype around it that um, a lot of young girls are very into the show. 
why do you think why do you think that this show maybe is more geared towards younger girls than maybe the rest of the theater crowd? I mean, it's wildly successful, but it seems like the fanatics are more younger girls. I think that the two people in the show are two young women who are discovering and trying to figure out who they really are. Um, you've got one character who is concerned that because of the way she looks, she won't be accepted. And I feel like many young women can identify with that. On the other hand, you have a young woman who is beautiful and popular, but she's really just hiding because she's insecure. Um, And I feel like there are lots of young women that can identify with that. And this idea that you have to make something of yourself or put on a certain facade in order to be accepted or to be successful. But you find that these two women finally see each other for who they really are and form true friendship. And I, I just feel like women in general, especially women in high school, girls, girls, they're not, you know, about to be women, young women. Navigating friendships with other, other women can be hard just because of, of cultural pressure to look a certain way, to behave a certain way. Um, so I, I, I mean, I don't know if that's too deep, but I think that that's why it speaks to young women. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that's too deep at all. For anyone who might not know the show, uh, just go ahead and give me like a brief synopsis of what the show is about. Okay, okay. Um, so uh, basically, this is like a spin, an angle of The Wizard of Oz, the story of The Wizard of Oz told from the perspective of the Wicked Witch of the West, who is um, historically green. and. Um, so her name is Alphaba. Alphaba is born into a family who is um, broken. Um, Alphaba's father has some shame associated with the fact that Alphaba was born green. So she already has some baggage coming into school. She's learning to be a witch, how to harness her powers, all of this. She meets Glinda, who is sort of the um, queen of the school that that she attends. I think Elphaba is naturally a more gifted wizard than Glinda is, but Glinda is very popular um, at the top of her class at the time. Um, And there's all of this stuff that starts to go down where they are, where um, the wizard, (laughs) and this is where I'm starting to get hazy because it's been a little bit since I've seen the show. (laughs) It's fine. yeah, but um, the wizard essentially turns out to not be a, a super good dude. And um, the animals in Oz have the power of language. They can speak and interact. But they notice that the animals in Oz are starting to lose their ability to speak. Alphaba notices this, finds out that there's something wrong. She starts to step out against, essentially, the government and the powers that be, saying that something needs to change. At this point, Glinda and Alphaba have formed a friendship. Glinda doesn't want to sacrifice her reputation for, in order to do the right thing. So they kind of have a clashing there. But um, not to give away the end, but it's basically about doing the right thing. And you're just going to have to see who wins in the end. Okay, that's fair. Go see Wicked. <laughs> yeah, go see Wicked. It's uh, super accessible. <laughs> is it still like impossible to get a ticket to that show? I don't even know anymore. Well, surely not. Surely not. <laughs> so it's very popular still. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> do you see this as a show 
that we're doing a hundred years from now? Oh gosh. Do you think that the Ooh. message stands the test of time? Kind of similar well, to maybe what? a Shakespeare play? Oh gosh. Well, I don't know if I have the authority to say that, you know, Wicked is on the same grounds as Shakespeare. I mean, these are just your opinions. I, I wasn't saying that it's on the same grounds as Shakespeare, but I'm just saying, does it have a message that you think will last a hundred years from now? I mean, I do. I think, yeah, I think the power of one person to make a change and the power of one person sticking to their convictions and fighting for what is right, regardless of what popularity says, is something that is timeless and important. And we're always going to have times in our history that will repeat itself where the majority or the people in power may not be walking in wisdom. And it's going to have to take one person or a group of people that may not have the status, but they have the commitment to see change for the better good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also important that the show kind of addresses looking past your own shortcomings uh, to mm -hmm. kind of overcome maybe the card you think you've been dealt, but kind of finding that power inside of you, the thing that motivates you to do good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for agreeing with me. Yeah, you're you're so smart, Matt. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. So, uh, <laughs> one more question about Wicked. What is your favorite song from the show, and what does it mean to you? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, my favorite song, I wouldn't say that it, like, necessarily speaks to me in, like, an encouraging way, but my favorite song is No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. Oh, okay. And, um... The reason why that's my favorite song is I just, I love the melody, A. B, I just love, that song is, is birthed completely out of conflict. That Elphaba is put in this predicament. She has fallen in love with Fierro and she fears for his life. And she's, she basically has this huge question within herself about whether or not it's worth doing what's right. If everybody in the world is against you, it doesn't matter what she truly does. Um, and it's sort of like she makes this, this decision. You, you just, it's a song where at the beginning she's in complete panic. And then as the song goes through, by the end, she has made a decision and she is a new woman. She's like left that song as a different person. And so theatrically, I just think it's it's great. It's juicy. It's meaty. It's it's there's so much there for the actress that gets to play Alphaba. Yeah. Well, that's good enough reason for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I have just one final question. Uh, and, mm -hmm. I mean, you can interpret this any way you want. Okay. What is your dream role, and why? My, I don't know if people think that this is a cop out answer, but I would love to originate something. I think my my dream role is something that maybe hasn't been written yet. I just really, really, really love new work. And to be a part of the project from the ground up. So I know also I would love uh, to play Glinda at some point. I think Glinda is a role I would very, very much like to play. I also like the mother in Ragtime. Um, I forget her character's name. But yeah, I think I just feel kind of in my soul that hopefully there will be a show that hasn't been birthed yet that I'll get to step into and, and that'll be my dream role. And I just haven't met 
I haven't met that woman, that role yet. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very good answer, Allie. Thanks. <laughs> no problem. Well, I want to thank you for coming on with me today. It was a great pleasure getting to talk to you, learn thank more you things about you me. that I didn't know. Yeah, of course, anytime. Um, and you're doing a show right now out in California. This this yes. will come out with time for people to come see this. So why don't you talk about it for a second? Yes. Okay. It's wonderful. I mean, this is definitely my dream role to date. Um, but this show, it's called Born for This, the musical. It's um, based on this on basically BB and CC Winans, who are from a gospel dynasty. They were a gospel duo. Um, they rose to fame in the 1980s. Uh, they have a huge following, but what many people don't know is that they got their start on the Praise the Lord Network with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. And um, so it's essentially about B.B. primarily and his struggle with um, desiring fame so much, but coming from a family that did predominantly gospel music. So he asks the question, is it okay for me to desire fame and to create music that could appeal to a secular crowd and still be considered a faithful man of God? Um, so it sort of walks that tension and it's just about family. It's about friendship. It's about, um, I mean, we deal with, uh, there was a lot of racism in, uh, Pineville, North Carolina during the time. So there's that theme that's touched on and just, uh, it's just, it's really great. The music is fantastic. The majority of the music, there are some BB and CC Winans tunes, but the majority of the music BB Winans has written for the show. I mean, and that man can write a song. Let me tell you. Great. So you're you're in Santa Monica. Santa Monica, California. Santa Monica mm -hmm. is it? What's We're, the theater? It's called the Broad Stage, and uh, our first preview is July 11th, and we run through August 6th. Um, so get your tickets. I play Penny, who is uh, one of the PTL singers. Great. So. Uh, yeah. Well, if you're great. in the Santa Monica area in that time frame, please go check out Allison. Like I said, she's got a great voice, wonderful actress. Uh, again, thank you for being on with me, friend. It means it means so much to me. Oh, of course. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a great night. Okay. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you have the time, a subscription and a rating on the podcasting service you use would be of great help to me. I'm always looking for new people to bring on, so please get in contact with me at TGLpod on Twitter and Facebook or theghostlight at gmail.com. If you like the music you heard, the intro was provided by Melandros and the outro was provided by Pachyderm. You can find both of them on music streaming services, and I'll also include them in the show notes. See you next time at The Ghost Light. <laughs>